Thanks for listening to the Revival Today podcast with evangelist Jonathan Shuttlesworth. To stay connected, check us out on Instagram, Facebook, or online at revivaltoday.com. Now, here's evangelist Jonathan. Well, welcome. Week number two of 21 Days of Prayer and Fasting. Great to have you on. I'm Jonathan Shuttlesworth, joined with a great studio full of people, most of them, if not all of them, from Revival Today Bible Institute. So glad to have you. And uh, yeah, glad you brought it up, Charles. Week of Heaven on Earth. Start tonight with Dr. Rodney Howard Brown, 7 o'clock. My uncle, Ted Shuttlesworth Sr., Wednesday at 7 o'clock. Jesse, Dr. Jesse Duplantis, Friday at 7 o'clock. And uh, you got me, Tuesday and Thursday. So, Also, if you have Daystar Television, which 97% of homes do, Adalis is going to be the guest on Ministry Now with Joni live on Wednesday morning in Texas. So uh, you got that thrown into the mix, too. Great to see everybody on. Mercy, uh, Nicole from Bethlehem, great to see you. It was great to see you here. Gina, everybody. I'm going to get into it. Positioning yourself for supernatural wealth transfer, a seven-point checklist. Uh, if you watch the New Year's Eve service, I didn't prophesy it lightly. I am also, I've seen in the company of Dr. Jerry Savelle and Pastor Enoch Attaboy that this year is going to be a fulfillment of the scripture the wealth of the wicked is laid up for the just. You hear people say, especially if you're from a more nominal church background, is there really like such a thing as wealth transfer? Is that in the Bible? The wealth of the wicked is laid up for the just. You can write that down right up front. The, the wealth that's in the hands of the wicked is being stored up to come in to the hands of the just. Psalm 37, verse 1. Don't worry about the wicked or envy those who do wrong. For like grass, they'll soon fade away. Like spring flowers, they soon wither. Trust in the Lord and do good. Then you will live safely in the land and prosper. Take delight in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. I mean, I'm, I was going to read the whole chapter, but just stop there. Trust in the Lord and do good. Then you will live safely. Write down protection in the land, and prosper. Protection and prosperity is part of the covenant of the man who lives righteously. Take delight in the Lord or delight yourself in the Lord. And it doesn't say delight yourself in the Lord and all your needs will be met. It says delight yourself in the Lord and he'll give you the desires of your heart. Think of that. Delight yourself in the Lord and he'll give you not what you're, you require for life. He'll give you the desires of your heart. I want, uh, this is a seven-point checklist. Now, if there's a wealth transfer, I used to wonder this when I was younger. Okay, how, how does that, I believe that. Okay, it's in the Bible. H how does that happen? One day I'm going to wake up and out in the street is just laying money blowing around that came out of the hands of the wicked. What, how does it happen? Um, this seven-point checklist positions you to receive it. How does it happen? It'll happen a million different ways for a million different people. Some people, God will give one business idea. Some people, it'll just, uh, let, let's, let's go through an example in church history. Dr. Morocco tells the story that when his mother felt called into the ministry at her Assemblies of God Church, she didn't have the money to pay for it. But God had already spoken to a woman in that church two years before during praise and worship. Do you see that 15-year-old girl? I've called her into the ministry. When she graduates high school, she's going to have no way to pay for um, 
the Bible college, so I want you to get a second job and save all the money up so when she graduates and doesn't know where the money's going to come from, you pay for it. Well, she got a job cleaning somebody's house. And when, she, when that man who she cleaned his house died, he had no heirs, and he left his entire multi-million dollar estate to that woman. That's a, a story. And anybody that's grown up in, in uh, full gospel Christian circles, there, you hear stories like that. None of them are the same, but they're all miraculous, the taking of somebody from being very poor to very rich. The wealth of that man who was wicked that she cleaned his house ended up in her hand. Turn to Ecclesiastes chapter 2. I'll show you it again in the Bible. Ecclesiastes 2. Verse 26, God gives wisdom, knowledge, and joy to those who please him. But if a sinner becomes wealthy, God takes the wealth away and gives it to those who please him. In the King James, find it here. Ecclesiastes 2.26, written by the richest man who ever lived. For God gives wisdom, knowledge, and joy to a man who is good in his sight. But if the, to the sinner, he gives the work of gathering and collecting that he may give to him who is good before God. So once God sees somebody's not going to serve him, he actually puts an a, a onus on him to acquire as much as possible to then pass it over. That guy that owned that big house and had all that wealth, he didn't realize it, but he had worked his whole life. Everything he did, once the Lord realized that man wasn't going to serve him, he accumulated all that to pass it to that woman who pleased him. Now, this year, you're going to see that happen. So you have to position yourself for anything. Just because something's in God's word doesn't mean it just automatically comes into your hand. I want to, I want to go through this seven-point checklist, but this is not one of the seven points. I want you to understand something that very few believers understand. I want you to write down money is not a miracle. Money is not a miracle. There are laws to ep economics. Very easy to understand laws. You know, I don't have enough money for food. I don't understand. The devil's been attacked. I don't believe that. You know, the spirit of debt's really attacked me. I don't think the spirit of debt ordered all that stuff on Amazon. I think you did it. So there's very concrete economic laws that money works by. Money is a reward for solving problems. The bigger the problem you solve, the bigger the financial reward. If somebody's wife doesn't like their dog being in their house, so they keep the dog, but they're going to keep it outside, and they need a dog house, and you build a dog house for them, they're going to pay you for it. But if somebody needs a 21-story office building, for their company to house their company and you build that or you're the architect for it, you're also going to get a financial reward for that, but it's going to be much bigger than the, than the doghouse. So the scale of the problem that you solve um, is what produces your financial reward. If you're not solving it, if, you, if there's no money, you're not solving problems for anybody. I'm in the ministry, but we don't have any money. I don't think you're solving problems. You might be speaking I've told you the story of, of a Wednesday night Bible study I was invited to preach at. 
and they had a set amount that they gave you, $500. But in that, in that Wednesday night Bible study, a businessman's son who was addicted to heroin got saved, delivered from drugs, delivered from alcohol, and um, the dad called the office. said, you don't know how much money you saved me. Between lawyers for my son, for crimes he was committing when he was on drugs, rehab, methadone clinic. I, he, I was going broke even though I'm a wealthy man, and he sent a check for $10,000. So though the, that church had determined a $500 reward, the scale of the problem by the anointing that I solved for that guy, he, he, he kicked in a reward. Money is a reward for solving problems. Seven-point checklist. Number one, if the wealth of the wicked is laid up for the righteous or the just, number one, be righteous. Originally, I had this as a six-point checklist, but then I thought, well, you can't skip this. Be godly. Be righteous. If you have a live-in girlfriend, live-in boyfriend, nothing I'm saying is going to apply to you. If you drink and get drunk, you're, you're living outside of the covenant of God. If the wealth of the wicked is laid up for the righteous, make sure that you're living righteously. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he'll give you the desires of your heart. People all love the second part of verses, but they don't like the first part. I mean, he gives us the desires of our heart. Easy. Don't forget the first part. To those that delight themselves in the Lord. Fasting and prayer is an exercising of your delight in the things of God. I had, uh, I've had people contact me before. We tithe and give offerings, but we're not seeing any financial harvest. Can you pray? I don't think you need prayer. I think you need to go down a checklist. And number one, you need to hit the righteousness checklist. What's your relationship with church? If I ask you where you go to church, does it start with, um, well, that's a problem. You can't create your own rules for Christianity. Well, we don't go to church because we were hurt. Get unhurt and get back to church. Be righteous. If I ask you who your pastor is, does it is your answer? If I ask you who your pastor is, that should be a two-word answer, first name and last name. If your pastor has a hyphenated last name like or, or two last names like Rodney Howard Brown, then three three words. But it shouldn't be any more than two or three words. It shouldn't should start with a first name, not um. Well, we go to church. Who's your pastor? Uh, what's his name? You don't, you don't have a relationship. You don't go to church. Good scripture, Aaron. Number one, be righteous. Number two, Proverbs 13, 11. Wealth from get-rich-quick schemes quickly disappears. Wealth from hard work 
grows over time. Proverbs 13, 11. Wealth from get-rich-quick schemes quickly disappears. Wealth from hard work grows over time. I don't know if you've met people like this, but I've met people like this, especially in Christian circles. They never work a job. It's always, uh, hey, do you hear about this new crypto? Do you hear about NFTs? They're always doing something. They always have some idea waiting for something to come in, and it never comes in. Wealth from get-rich-quick schemes quickly disappears. You know, basically NFTs and crypto for a lot of people took the place of lottery tickets in the old days. It's like, and I'm not against, I, I, no, I don't own any crypto anymore. I, I sold it. But I'm not saying I'm against it, but it, that's not your line of work. Buying and selling Bitcoin is not wor your work. That can be something you, you're doing as an investment. So number two, work a job that pays money. Not difficult. You know, we had, we've had people move to the church who were poor their whole life, and we had them get a job. And it's amazing to watch them thrive now. The kids all have new school clothes. They have new shoes. They came here looking like refugees, and now the whole family's blessed. It's not a mystery. Work a job that pays money. Do you ever watch Family Feud? And one of the families seems well-to-do, and the other family seems poor. And Steve Harvey asks him, what do you do for work? I'm a psychologist. What do you do for work? Uh, I work in dentistry. Then they go to the other family. What do you do for work? I watch the kids. That's not a job that pays money. That's an errand for somebody. I'm kind of between jobs right now. Get out of between jobs and get a job. And if you have a job that you feel you're qualified for, that you're having trouble getting hired, get a job in the meantime and humble yourself and, and get something that pays money. We had a lady move here to our church that lived in her car in another state. She wrote me on Instagram and said, I would love to come to your church. I said, then come. She said, I live in whatever state. But I knew where she lived because she had come to my meetings out there. She lived in her car at a gas station. I would love to come, but I live in this state. I said, we have... Uh, gas station parking lots too. Somebody said, what about being on disability? I don't know what's hard to understand about work a job that pays money. My brother-in-law works at Revival Today. He's paralyzed from the waist down. Not his legs sore or he has a foot problem. He's had no use of his legs from the age of three. So I don't, I don't want to hear about it. I didn't say you have to work construction. And work in customer service. What disability pre prevents you from working? I would give you a pass if you're paralyzed from the neck down, maybe. Who isn't on disability in America? Got a, got a bad back. Don't exempt yourself. Work a job that pays money. Remember the pays money part. If you don't draw a paycheck, you're, you're not, I don't know, something's wrong. 
laborers are to be given money for what they do. So, well, I do this, but it doesn't really like pay anything. And I'll, I'll tell you this. Everybody that's on full-time staff at Revival Today is paid full-time wages. Well, I, I do this, but they ask me to live by faith. What does that mean? Abraham lived by faith, and he was not poor. <coughs> I want you to write this down under that point. Faith is not a synonym for poverty. One of the reasons at our Bible college we have classes end at a certain time so people can get a job working second shift is I noticed when I went to Bible school, all of the guys and, and ladies that lived in poverty in Bible school, which was most of them, they live in poverty today. The habits you develop in your youth transfer over. I'm just like believing God for lunch money. I don't, I don't know why you have to believe God for that when you can get a job and earn money and then buy lunch. That, that doesn't involve prayer. I don't know why. Hey, Hannah, not a bad place to be today. Hannah Maui. I don't understand the disconnect in Christians' brains when it comes to money. That's why I wrote for that first thing, money's not a miracle. I just, you know, we don't have any money, and I don't, I don't know why I've been praying about it. What's to pray about? Money's not a mystery. It's not a miracle. It's not supernatural. You work a job, you get paid, and then you spend less than what you get paid, and you never run out of money. Now, the exceptions would be, I heard Ben Shapiro say one time, you can be temporarily poor, but if you're permanently poor, there's a problem. So in other words, if a tornado comes through and wipes your home out and all your earthly possessions, you're going to live at a lower standard for about five days or so. But, but if, if you're still like that four years down the road, that's a problem. You know, my, my sister, born with a heart problem. My mom and dad had no medical insurance. So they, it was $52,000 back in the early 80s that they didn't have. I'm not talking about stuff like that. But again, you look at my parents now, that, that they're, not, they're out of that. They're living well. Somebody said, what about homeschool moms? Um, here's what I would say. Ideally, the wife can raise the children while the husband works. But if you're the only one in the house, you, you, you better work and get some money. I'm not saying both parents should be out of the home working. But if it, whoever the head of the home is needs to provide for the home. Now, no exceptions. Please, please write those two words down. No exceptions. Because you notice, you give this simple principle, work a job that pays money. What about homeschool moms? What about people on disability? No exceptions. It's not difficult. Let's say you are a homeschooled mom. Are you homeschooling from 8 a.m. till 12 midnight? Are there no jobs that can be worked at home from a computer? Can you not buy or sell? Let's, let's get into this a little bit. Let's get into types of jobs. I've known 
lots of people in church. Do you ever notice how Christians always gravitate to low-income things? I've started to make beaded jewelry. I sell the bracelets for $15 a piece. Okay, that's fine, but I want you to think of how many $15 a piece bracelets you're going to have to sell to make a living. $150,000 a year? Then you're going to have to sell um, 10,000 of those bracelets. So if you have a way to do that, this is going to date this video and make it outdated, but let's say like, 120,000 a year, 100 a year, is something to shoot for. Because that gives you the ability. That's basically the income level you need to be at to put your child in private Christian school or basically control your own destiny. I, I would say minimum. You know, if depending on where you live, maybe 85 at the low end. So if your salary pays you less than that, then you need to start getting a mind for a second thing that you do. Willie George, the great pastor from Oklahoma, used to teach his people to have a six-day project. What does the Bible say? How many days are given to work? Five or six? Six. So the U.S. workday is five days. So that gives you another full 24 hours to get another project going that supplements your income. And he used to teach... Um, not just supplement your income, work to develop that thing that's your dream till it overtakes the job that you do Monday to Friday. I like that. Megan said, I'm a homeschool mom of four who started a cookie business from my home. That business now generates a steady second income for my family close to what my husband makes. This is what I'm talking about. Don't exempt yourself. Remember, as much as you see Adalis here doing more than me, she teaches at Bible school, I don't. She leads prayer, she preaches, she broadcasts here, she does her podcast. She's with, she takes Camila to school, picks her up at school, and is with Camila all day. You'd be amazed. You'd be amazed how much capacity you have in you that's untapped. Sandra said, I worked at, for our trucking business at home while homeschooling. Exactly. Work a job that pays money. No exceptions. You know, even in the ministry, when I started out in evangelism, you'd have some places, we'd like you to come to preach, but we're not going to be able to pay you anything. Okay, then I'm not coming. That's not even scriptural. You want, me to, you want me to drive to another state and come preach and give me nothing. That, the Bible, not only, is it, not only is that not scriptural, the Bible condemns that in the book of 3 John. So I'm not doing that. The Bible says a laborer is worthy of, the laborer is worthy of his hire. People are writing stuff about disability. Here's a thought. I have an autoimmune disorder, and, and when, I get, when I work, I end up in the hospital. That's where healing comes in. Get healed. Rather than claim your disability, I, I, I have. Keep saying you have it. You'll always have it. You think, can Jesus not heal autoimmune disorders? I would get healed. 
I would get healed. I would say, Father, you commanded work. This is preventing me from working. Part of getting rich is having a desire to come out of poverty. Jesus saw a man who had been crippled for 38 years and said, would you like to get better? I can't. As long as your answer is I can't, you stay in the same situation for 38 years. You got to make a move. And this is why we're teaching on this. This is the beginning of a new year, 21 days of fasting and prayer. Do you want to rehearse the same excuses and repeat last year and the year before? Or do you want to break out of bondage? Work a job that pays money. So people make beaded jewelry, $15 a, a, a bracelet. And then there's another pastor's wife I know that decided a few years back to start making diamond rings. Found diamond wholesalers, started making diamond jewelry. She cleared $5 million last year as a, as a preacher's wife. Why do Christians always shoot low? I'm not saying there's anything wrong with being a realtor who sells homes, but why not, why not sell the ones like on the, the Bravo Network where you're, you're selling $20 million penthouses and office buildings? Why not, why not go after the best in life? I've done that. I've role modeled that for you to the best of my ability in this ministry. I've tried to do everything the highest end. We're not on public access television. We're on Daystar television and pay the, the price to be on that level of television. Our church is a great building. Everything's first class. Go for the best. Even when I was in Bible college, like let me give you an example. Everybody worked. There was an Applebee's, a Chili's, an Applebee's and a Chili's close to the school, and everybody would get jobs as a hostess or server at, at there. But I noticed none of them had any money. They were all poor. So I thought, so when I went to go get a job, I thought, well, I'm not going to work where these people work. They all work all night, and none of them have any money. So I just Googled. Tw uh, the Bible college was in outside of Providence, Rhode Island. So I Googled $20 an hour Providence. And a job selling mortgages came up. I didn't even know what a mortgage was. It was at a telemarketing center. And I worked there and started making $20 an hour plus commission. I had a ton of money in Bible college. When they served lousy food at the cafeteria, which I'm not saying they always did, but when they did serve like a disgusting meal, I would tell all my friends, let's go out to eat. And I'd, I'd take everybody out to eat and pay for it, no problem. Because I worked a job that well compensated me. I want you to write another thing down before we move on, right? There's nothing honorable. Mm, let me think of a better word. There's nothing spiritual about poverty. You know, I've been living on less, you know, but I just know during this time God's been teaching. No, don't concoct a little fraudulent testimony about how it's great that you're going through this dry season. 
There's nothing. There's nothing desirable about poverty. There's nothing. You shouldn't want it any more than you want sickness. They're both part of the curse, and Christ redeemed you from it. I want you to write something down. Write, I reject poverty. Same way, I reject sickness, I reject poverty. Even my aforementioned brother-in-law that's legitimately in a wheelchair, you know he won't use the handicapped parking spaces and loads himself, you should see it, scoots himself from the driver's seat to the back, loads himself in the wheelchair all by himself and, and goes out. And then you got other people that have eaten themselves into a cane that happily take and wear the uh, handicap thing with pride. So even he rejects disability. Work a job that pays money. I, 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 I'm hesitant to move off of this because, you you know, when you're in my situation in the ministry, you get a lot of requests like, we don't have any money. Why don't you? Why do you have no income of money in America, especially? We were having this conversation in Burundi. I'd ease up. How in America do you not have income? There's a hiring shortage. Well, where I live, there's no, no jobs. Move somewhere, like Florida, with a booming economy. There's no reason in America to not have income. So how do you not have... So either A, you're not working a job that pays money, or B, we'll move on then to number three, Proverbs 21.20. Number three, the wise have wealth and luxury. <laughs> New Living Translation, Proverbs 20. The wise have wealth and luxury. Write that down. The wise have wealth and luxury. That's what I'm giving you here. Now, we're going to pray at 12.05. We're going to engage spiritual things. But you can fast and pray 100 days. If you are not following this checklist or you're going, no, I don't, I don't agree with that. I don't think I have to work. Then you're going to be poor. The wise. Wisdom brings wealth. Write that down. Wisdom brings wealth. Solomon was the wisest man who ever lived. What was he also? The wealthiest man who ever lived. Wisdom brings wealth. The wise have wealth and luxury. Why does he have all that? Because he's wise. You also need to lose that. You need, you need to lose. You're never going to have wealth if all you do is criticize it. Who needs to drive a, a car that that's, expensive, that's that expensive? You never will. I don't even people need to get their own jet. You won't, don't worry about it. You won't ever have one. W 
they train you subconsciously in America to be what the Bible calls a sin called covetousness. Why do the, the, uh, the founder of Walmart's children have all that money and I'm, I, I'm having to work all day and barely have anything? That's called covetousness. Do you know why they have all that money? Because their dad got an idea to start a store that didn't exist, that met a massive need in America, and your dad didn't. That's why. Christians, by and large, glorify poverty and vilify luxury. And that's why they never have luxury. A pastor can drive a car that's unregistered because it's so beat up he can't get it registered. Bald tires, cracked windshield. No one has a problem with it, even though it's illegal. He's breaking the law driving it. No one cares. But if he showed up in a Bentley, they would have a problem with it. So they'll actually accept an illegal vehicle that's unsafe to drive and be fine with their pastor driving it, but leave the church if he had a legal vehicle that's luxurious. I'm not saying this to plant seeds in your head of me getting a Bentley. I'm just saying, which one should the people have a problem with? Don't you think it should be flipped? Where instead of a pastor saying, you know, a guy gave me a Bentley, but I had to sell it because my, my church people couldn't handle it. Don't you think it should be, um, you know, I have this car that's beat up and unregistered, and I, I've been having to have somebody else drive me to my church to preach because if my people saw me driving a car that was unregistered, they'd leave the church. But they won't. They'll happily have watch a Christian drive a car held together by K-Love bumper stickers and then get upset if that same person rises out of that into luxury. I like your comment, Leslie. Um, think of all the jobs there are. Dog walker. Pet care. The, the wise have wealth and luxury, but a fool spends whatever they get. This is the Bible. Proverbs 20, 120. The wise have wealth and luxury, but a fool spends everything he gets. Now, if a fool spends everything he gets, then what does that say about debt? Because the Bible calls somebody a fool that spends all they get. What if you spend all you get plus find a way to get a loan to, so that you can spend more than what you actually take in? <coughs> that should take the taste for debt out of your mouth. Spend less than what you take in. Number three. Spend less than what you take in. What do you make a month? What you spend has to be less than that. It's not rocket science. Show the Lord you can be trusted. to, to Don't try to appear. Don't pretend. It's not a miracle. 
spend less than what comes in. In the ministry, we spend less than what comes in. I would love to be on Daystar three times a day. I'm not saying I never, you're not, you're not saying you'll never own the purse you want or the shoes you want or the car you want, but not now. And, and I've cautioned you on the flip side. You don't say, well, I'll never be able to afford that. No, I'll do it. But the time is not now. I took a pastor friend of mine to a suit store and got him a custom-made suit, and then I got one for myself. And I don't feel it. If I would have done that when Adonis and I first got married, it would have put us in financial peril for six months. Timing. Be patient. And when you show God that you can be disciplined to not overspend, God will trust you with more. That's right. Good word. Good two words. Christopher, write down the two words, delayed gratification. Wait. Despise not the day of small beginnings. Everybody has to have a starting place. Let me give you an example. Um, I was gassing up my SUV in Philadelphia, and this was during uh, the Obama administration when gas had skyrocketed to close to $5 a gallon. And so somebody saw it and walked over and said, man, it must be expensive to gas that up. How much is it to fill it up? And I said, I haven't looked. You know, I actually didn't know how much it cost to gas that car up because you know, when you're at that time, we were, I was starting to have employees, and when you're starting to have a, a budget where you're 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 paying out six hundred thousand dollars or more, you're not looking at eighty dollars of gas. It just doesn't matter. So I said, I haven't looked. When I finish gassing up, I'll tell you. And right when I said it, the Lord spoke to me. The same way you drive this vehicle and gas it up and don't even have to think about it, the day will come where you use airplanes like that. And until that day comes. Don't do it. In other words, until the day comes where you can charter a plane and go preach and you don't even have to think about how much the plane costs. Because if I had done it then, have, there are ministries that have planes that the plane killed their ministry because their ministry just turned into trying to raise money for the plane. Hour and a half offering and... Every, every sermon started to be about finances and sowing and reaping because not to set the people free, not so the people could be blessed. They had a, a plane to pay for. TV ministries done that to a lot of ministries. Wait for your time. Number three, a fool spends everything he gets. So you understand what I'm saying? When so, and you get Christians contact you a lot. I don't have any money then you either are not having any income, which is unscriptural, or you're severely mismanaging your income, and the Bible says somebody that spends everything they get is a fool. You'll have people, as a minister, write you on Instagram, I don't have any clothes for my child who's starting school, and then you scroll back through their Instagram. Boy, you had a lot of money for mimosas and... Weekend trips with your girlfriend? 
So you either have an income problem or a spending problem. And I'll tell you this, the reason I'm dealing with this when it comes to wealth transfer, if you get into $10,000 worth of debt making $38,000 a year, how much debt do you think you're going to get into if you start making half a million a year? The errors you make when you're small will compound. People think if they make more money, then it'll solve their debt problems. If you don't erase the taste for debt and erase spending more than comes in from you, then if God were to open the windows of heaven and pour out massive financial blessing, it would kill you. This is the book I'm going to send to everybody who sows a seed of any size today. Financial Overflow, 10 Bible Principles to Unlock Heaven's Unending Supply. I have a chapter in here, Breaking Materialism, chapter 2. Chapter 1 is Breaking a Poverty Mentality. But then as many Christians as you have that have a poverty mentality, you have others that they're materialistic. Their idea of prosperity. There was a couple in a church I attended when I was younger. They got, they got a settlement of $26,000. The next Sunday, they walked in like they just signed their first record deal to Death Row Records. Big Versace sunglasses, big Louis Vuitton purse, brand new, uh, dick, I mean, they look like NASCAR drivers, Gucci, all the logos on them. Six weeks later, they contacted the church that they needed benevolence help because they had no money. The errors that you make when you're small will compound when you're bigger. You don't grow big to manage well. You manage well now to grow big. Write that down. You don't grow big to manage well. Well, yeah, I'm, I'm, my life's a mess right now, but when, when my financial breakthrough comes, then it's going to be different. No, you don't grow big to manage well. You manage well to grow big. Bian said, that, that's $26,000, which you can spend in two seconds. Let me tell you something. If somebody gave you $260,000, you go like that. If, if, if you don't do your taxes, if you don't have a grip on filing your income taxes and somebody gave you $260,000, it could end you up in prison. You only pay tax on your job money. You kept the two sixty, dollars never paid tax on it. You don't wait till you grow big to manage well. You manage well, and then God increases you. That's the whole principle of stewardship. If you don't tithe making 35000 a year, you're not going to tithe making half a million a year. Once I get my breakthrough, I'll start tithing. It doesn't work that way. Number four. This is in the Living Bible, which you won't hear me quote out of much. Proverbs 24.3. What did I write about the materialism thing?
Number four, Proverbs 24, 3 in the Living Bible. Any enterprise is built by wise planning, becomes strong through common sense, and profits wonderfully by keeping abreast of the facts. I think I have a chapter in here on this too. Yeah, chapter 8, The Power of Wise Planning, page 117. And I use the same, same scriptures, Proverbs 24, 3 to 4. The power of wise planning. My point number four with, uh, uh, for today is understand that life and money is not static. What do I mean by that? Turn to 1 Kings 17. First Kings 17. Verse 1, now Elijah, who was from Tishbe and Gilead, told King Ahab, as surely as the Lord, the God of Israel, lives, the God I serve, there will be no dew or rain during the next few years until I give the word. Then the Lord said to Elijah, go to the east and hide by Kareth Brook, near where it enters the Jordan River. Drink from the brook and eat what the ravens bring you, for I've commanded them to bring you food. So Elijah did as the Lord told him and camped beside Kareth Brook, east of the Jordan. The ravens brought him bread and meat each morning and evening, and he drank from the brook. But after a while, the brook dried up, for there was no rainfall anywhere in the land. Then the Lord said to Elijah, Go and live in the village of Zarephath, near the city of Sidon. I have instructed a widow there to feed you. What if Elijah just kept sta staying by the brook? How many believe the water flowed once, it'll flow again? Hallelujah. The ravens used to come twice a day. How many believe they're going to come again? No, he'd have starved to death. Life is not static. Life is fluid. It, there's changes. So that's why I did Proverbs 24, 3. Any enterprise is built by wise planning, becomes strong through common sense, and profits wonderfully by keeping abreast of the facts. What's working? What's not working? Where, is I, where am I starting to see decrease where there used to be increase? Why? Keeping abreast of the facts. You can't just do something. And then expect it to still be working 10 years later. That's a trap for evangelists. Your goal is to book a full schedule when you start out. Then you start booking a full schedule. And some guys, they never progress past that. Then they just... Book a schedule, go out and preach 40 weeks. Year two, go out and preach 40 weeks. Year three, go out and preach 40 weeks. And they become stale. Life passes them by. They don't stay fluid in God's plan. To he who uses well, more will be given and he'll have an abundance. 
as you manage well what God's given you, God will give you greater assignments and bigger open doors. You have to be willing to, to, to flow. We were having great success when we were just doing evangelism and not pastoring. I never wanted to pastor. But if I had not followed that instruction, I would shiver to see where I am today. No, I'm not starting a church, Lord. Get somebody else to do that. I'm just, I got a full schedule. The churches are full. I'd, I'd turn it, you know, it might not happen overnight, but I'd end up as one of those 53-year-old evangelists that goes to the, calls the same friends up, goes and preach. The people have heard him for 17 years. They're not excited. The crowd's like a third of what it is on Sunday because you're out of the will of God. Understand that life and money are not static. Keep abreast of the facts. When the brook dried up, yeah, but for not hearing it 20 years ago, Brad, you've done, you've done pretty well. When the brook dried up, Elijah made a move. You can just hope it started flowing again. Again, this is a checklist. You know, we just don't, we used to have a lot of money, now we don't. Why? What changed? What can be, what moves do you need to make to end around? Things change very rapidly. Now, there, there was a, um, think of this. If I started the ministry in 1930, I could go on the radio and stay on the radio for 70 years. And that still would have been a, th a thing that built the ministry. So there was a time where you basically could get like one instruction from God and just do that for 60 years. But things change rapidly now. What if I was basing my whole ministry on Facebook Live? Facebook, the numbers are low on Facebook Live. I have more followers on Facebook than any of the other platforms. Maybe all of them added together don't equal what I have on Facebook, and I've never bought any. I've never paid for any followers. I have 90-some thousand on Facebook, and, and there's 104 people watching. Back when I had 30,000, there used to be 700 people watching at a time. No, YouTube. Then when YouTube started making moves to shut people like me down, the app, you got to keep abreast of the facts and stay ahead of what's going on. Why do you think we're, we're uh, launching a bank out of the church? You can see the writing on the wall that PayPal and other banks are looking to move against the church. Shut, freeze their accounts. Find them. So you get ahead of it. What are the new trends in business, in your business? Number five, are you a tither? Since it's a checklist, write down, am I a tither? No ifs, ands, or buts. Are you a tither? If you're a ministry, is your ministry a tithing ministry? Is your business a tithing business? The tithe that Abraham paid in Genesis 14. Was not a personal tithe, it was a corporate tithe. 
I want you to write this under that point. I can either pay my tithe joyfully to the Lord or I'll pay it tearfully somewhere else. You're going to pay the money. You can either give it to the Lord and have it produce an open window of heaven or you can hold it, have it produce a curse and pay it on all other kinds of things. Have the devourer take it. Our ministry is a tithing ministry. And I want to write this, I want to deal with this under number five on tithing. Write this down, not creative tithing, actual tithing. People say, I can't afford to tithe, but if you meet people in ministries that don't tithe, you actually can't afford not to. Where have you ever heard me come to you with a need? All the time you've been watching me. Where have you ever heard me come? Now listen, we have a great need in this ministry. Tithing exempts you from being in need. Tithing exempts you from needing loans. I'll make you the lender only and not the borrower. But is that the case with all ministries? We have a great need that's arisen. We're in a great need right now. I, I have questions about your tithing. Tori said, my bank account was negative on a weekly basis until I started tithing. Thoughts on tithing gold or silver bullion. That's what they did in the Bible. You, you do it. You tithe on anything that comes in. <coughs> the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want or I shall not lack anything. That's what the Bible says. So if you're never in need and never in lack, how can you every week present a lack and a need to people? I don't understand. I was reading a book from another minister, and he said, we, we, never, we, we never had much money in our ministry. And then he quoted another minister. He said, so-and-so always said, in the ministry, you always hang on a thin line between miracle and crisis. That's not a scripture verse. So to choose that as what your thing you say and believe is, that's going to create that for you. The Bible doesn't say when you serve the Lord, you constantly hang on the brink of financial crisis. It says, see if, I, if you return to me in the tithe and offering, see if I won't open the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing that's so great, you won't have room enough to take it all in. Try it and let me prove it to you. Your crops will be abundant, for I'll rebuke the devourer for your sake. Don't creatively tithe. Like, I want to give you an example of creatively tithing. We have uh, 30 students, and I'm just, this is an example. I don't know if the number's right. We have 30 students at Revival Today Bible Institute. I've decided to sow a seed by waiving all of their $2,000 a year tuition. So 2000 times 30 is uh, 60000 So that's a $60,000. That's what I did to tithe. That's not a tithe. Nothing left our ministry. That's discounts and people find, especially ministries, they find creative ways to say they've given. Do you know what else I don't count as our tithe? Because it doesn't count. 
paying for outreaches. Steel City Fest cost about $300,000. That was not tithe. Justin said, my family increased five times, at least, at least once we started tithing. Promotion and huge salary increase, huge home increase, and so much more. I mean, most of you, I, I, there's almost no negative comments. I don't know that there's any negative comments. People, you figure out quickly the tithe isn't to help God, it's to help you. Rick wrote, the money must leave your ministry. That's what I mean. You, you summed it up well. When you tithe, it has to leave your hand. It has to, what, what would creative tithing be? If I took Revival Today Evangelistic Ministry and sowed it into Revival Today Church, then I took the Revival Today Church tithe and sowed it into Revival Today Evangelism. I'm taking from my one hand and putting it in the other hand. Ten percent of everything that comes in has to leave your life and go into another. Uh, let's be specific. Leave your life and go into a kingdom ministry, a preaching ministry, a Bible teaching ministry. What's a creative way to tithe? When your business hits a million dollars a year and you say, well, I'm not going to give 100000 to my church. My wife's always wanted to start a ministry for women who, are, who, are, who have been abused. And so we're going to start a 501c3 and we'll send our 100000 Very few rich people can let the money leave their hand. They, they have to control whatever the money goes to. Pastor, please comment on wives wanting to tithe, but the husband won't. I'd talk him into it, and then if it's your money, you can do it. You can't make him tithe on his income. We tithe, and my husband got a $20,000 Christmas bonus. Yeah, I don't know why the men are usually the, the tight ones, and women love to give in general. Luke 8, 1 to 3 doesn't mention any men. It's women that were con continually co contributing from their resources. Number five, tithing. If you refuse to be a tither, it ensures you'll be a beggar. Number six, spirit-led seed. Let each man give as he's directed by the spirit, not reluctantly or in response to pressure. So then on top of the tithe, you have to take time and let the Holy Spirit speak to you about what he would have you to give. Number six, spirit-led offerings. Adolis and I went to like a, a nominal, you know, they said they were spirit-filled, but it was a pretty like, like a community church when we lived in Maine. And then when we moved, the church we moved to was a Holy Ghost church that had special services, offerings, strong offerings every service. Probably a reason why a lot of the people that attend Revival Today Church waited or we're hesitant. If I go there, they're gonna, you know, they really hit the offering hard. So when we went down to go attend that church, I thought that. I thought, man, they take offerings all the time there. We had nothing, Adolis and I. So we go there and start giving. 
when they teach the Holy Spirit, you'd hear him speak to you, and you didn't, I know me, I didn't want to give, but I'm not going to disobey the Holy Spirit. And that's when things started to explode. The offering is not to hurt you. The offering is to increase you. Somebody said, that sounds like a lot of professional athletes. I'm not going to malign a whole profession of people, but I do notice that a lot. A guy will sign his first contract in the NFL when he's 23 and tithes to his church, but then once he gets a business manager and everything, next thing you know, he has the Jonathan Shuttlesworth Foundation, and that's where his charitable giving goes. People won't let it out of their hands. Number seven, <clears throat> this book, I, I only have giving as one chapter, chapter six, and then I do the seven types of giving in here, and this is number seven. Tithe, offering, and then I have sacrificial giving, which you see sacrificial giving in the Bible coupled with fasting and prayer. This is a time to lay a sacrifice on the altar. What is an offering of sacrifice? An offering of sacrifice is not simply giving your best. It's giving beyond your best. Abraham is an example of a man who gave beyond his best. Abraham offering Isaac to the Lord as a sacrifice was not his best. His son was beyond his best. When God sent Jesus, he wasn't giving his best. He was giving beyond his best. God gave his only son to mankind to be slaughtered. Look at the harvest that's produced. Today, sons and daughters are still being led into the kingdom of God. Oftentimes, an offering of sacrifice is when God asks you to give everything. In my 20s, I cleared out my bank account two different times and gave everything to the Lord. If you're sensitive to the voice of the Lord, there will be a time in your Christianity where God will ask you to give an offering of sacrifice. When the Lord lays it on your heart, you won't be able to deny the feeling. I, in December 2015, I went to Nigeria to, this, to attend Bishop Oyadepo Shiloh Conference. At the conference, they received an offering of sacrifice that the people had been preparing for all year. They were instructed to give an offering that truly represented something of value. While I was standing there, I saw people with tears in their eyes, lifting their envelopes to God. You could tell that not only, they were not only giving their best, but beyond their best. As I stood there, I hated that I didn't have anything to give. I had things back home in the United States, but nothing I could access. You could only withdraw a few Nairas from the ATM, and the conversion rate is 312, back then, 312 Naira to one U.S. dollar. The most I could withdraw was around 80 U.S. dollars. No credit card companies do business in Nigeria because there's so much bank fraud, so that wasn't an option. Moreover, I couldn't stand there in good conscience holding up 80 dollars as if it were a massive offering that brought tears to my eyes. As I was thinking about how terrible I felt, I glanced down on my left wrist and saw the Rolex watch someone had given me. I've always liked watches, and it was the most valuable personal possession I owned. As soon as my eyes locked on that watch, I knew it was the sacrifice I was supposed to give that day. When I saw Bishop David Oyadepo later that day, I put it in his hand and said, this is from me to you, Merry Christmas. I was giving it to him as a sacrifice. It hurt, believe me, I felt it. 
I gave away the most valuable thing I owned. Just over a month later, someone gave me a limited edition Breitling watch. I forgot about that. Only 2,000 of that kind had ever been crafted, and it was worth more than the watch I gave away. I know that return was triggered by my sacrifice. And then I left this out, but that was in December. In February of 2016 was when a man walked into our meeting and gave a million euro, which was over a million dollars. I'm not suggesting that giving my watch is equal to Abraham sacrificing Isaac or God sacrificing Jesus. But at the time, it was the most valuable thing I had to give. I liked that watch. It meant something to me. When the Lord put his finger on it, I gave it. Furthermore, it triggered the most abundant year that we've had in the history of our ministry. Sacrifice is not giving your best. It's giving beyond your best. In Matthew 26, the woman with the alabaster jar gave sacrificially. The jar she broke was valued at more than a year's worth of wages. She was crying as she offered it to Jesus. If there are no tears in your eyes when you give, it's not an offering of sacrifice. I would challenge you not to let your life end without giving an offering that brings tears to your eyes. Whatever, wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. I want to tell you that was one offering of sacrifice. I want to tell you two more. There was a man preaching named Dr. Leroy Thompson. And when he preached, I felt the Lord speak to me to give everything I had, which was $72. I wrote it out on an offering envelope. I was, it was the year before I got married. I was 25. And I put it uh, in the offering and went to walk back to my seat. That was everything I had. I wasn't going to get paid for another eight days. And, even, and back then I worked for my dad. And all the money went to Lost Lamb, his ministry, and then I got a, a, a check on the 1st and 15th. So there was no way, even if someone said, hey, I'd like you to preach tomorrow night, what, and they gave me $5,000, that didn't go to me. So there was no way for me to get paid. So I was just going to fast the next eight days. And um, on my way back to my seat, a lady said, is there a way I can give to you? I said, I'm not with his ministry. I'm just here attending. She said, I know, but the Lord spoke. To, she said, I have an offering for him, but the Lord spoke to me to give to you. I said, okay. And I said, uh, I told him the name of my dad's ministry, Lost Lamb. She said, no, the Lord specifically said, don't give to his ministry, give to him personally. I'd never had anybody say that to me before. Everybody always said the opposite. This is not for you. This is for the ministry. This is not for you. This is to help hungry kids. I said, are you sure you won't get a tax receipt or anything? She said, I don't want a tax receipt. I want to obey God. I said, okay. So I told her my name. I went back to my seat and opened the check. It was made out to me for $1,000. I went from $72 to $1,000 in about two and a half minutes. I cashed the check at the bank. It was drawn on the next day. And I went from having to force fast for eight days to... Um, the, probably the most money I ever had in my account. So that's for people at low levels. It's not, you don't wait till you're rich to let the Lord put his finger on the amount of money. And then a second one would be that $100,000 seed that we sowed in 2021 that gave us this building for free, $7 million. 
that 100000 when we thought we were going to have to pay for this building, the full amount, to sow $100,000 at that time, was borderline financial suicide. We needed all the money we had in our account and more. And the Lord put it on the heart of the owner after I sowed that to just give it to us. Seed of sacrifice. This is a year of supernatural wealth transfer. Put yourself in position to not hear other people's testimonies, but to have your own testimony. And I've... I wrote this seven-point checklist. I'm going to send this book to everyone who gives today because I wrote this book right after our ministry hit the million-dollar level. And I, I made a note of the 10 things. That's why it's financial overflow, 10 Bible principles to unlock heaven's unending supply. I wrote a 10-point ch checklist here. What did I used to not do that I now do? What did I used to do that I now don't do? What changed? God didn't change. What did God change in me, or what did I discover out of God's word that brought me from a negative bank account to a seven-figure bank account? Because steps are repeatable. So that's why I wrote this. And I feel like with this checklist I did today that's fresh, after dealing with seven more years of dealing with people from the time I wrote this book and now pastoring, Hope said, I'm so happy when the Lord put his finger on our last $40. We gave it. Can you guys get that video ready of, of uh, uh, John and Hope Herrera testifying in Montreal? Let me know when it's ready. And I'm going to give you an opportunity to give before we go into prayer today. Don't let this 21-day fast go by. Without making a move. If you guys can, put the ways to give on the bottom of the screen, when, and, and I'll have them play this testimony. And then if you're also able to keep me on the side, I want you to listen to this while you ask the Lord what he would have you to give. I'm going to throw this in too. Something does happen when you give at the $1,000 plus level, 1000 or more. It takes you from being somebody that tips to God to somebody that gives um, significantly to the Lord. So I have this Revival Today Church Rise and Build Bible. I'm going to sign it for everybody that gives a thousand or more today on top of, my, of this book that goes to everybody that gives. So everybody that gives, I'll send you financial overflow, a thousand or more. Uh, I'm going to send you the Bible too. Go ahead and roll the testimony with the info on the bottom. Hi everybody, my name's John. Uh, we're from Calgary, Alberta. Um, my wife Hope is the one that came across Jonathan. And uh, we've been following um, the, the Copelands for many years, ever since I was a child. And so on Flashpoint, she was watching during the November elections, because um, as he stated, Canadians were very into American politics. And um, Jonathan came on as a, as a guest. And she told me after I'd finished my work day and I came home, she said, there was this guy came on and he was slick he was he was like smart he spoke well he, he um, was well dressed and the first thing he did was uh, give honor to Kenneth um, for paving the way in the prosperity gospel and having a jet and all that kind of stuff and so we immediately uh, downloaded his app revival today app highly recommend especially if you're watching online best way to tune in it's like Netflix of all his teaching just available there and I put on his, uh, 
his ministry. The first one I looked for was, um, I guess you're teaching at RBI to the students. And I watched that whole week and learned more in that week than I had from anybody else in a long time. And it touched me. And um, this ministry has changed our life. This time last November, we were like borderline homeless. Um, we had difficulties with uh, COVID, job situations, finances. We, um, we rented out a lady's basement because we wanted to fund a business for ourselves. And so we wanted to lower costs and very sweet lady, but she had cancer and uh, she passed away. And um, it was that fervent prayer of the Lord where we had favor to find a new place, but in order to pay for the new place and the damage deposit and the messiness that went on, we had to pretty much sell all our belongings. We had nothing. So we moved into this townhouse, favor of God from this um, Roman Catholic family that chose us over the other applicants that had a greater income. And uh, with baby on away within, within one month of that time. But we had these Costco fold-up chairs, four of those, a fold-up table, our bed, a crib I refurbished, and a dresser. And that was it. And so my wife, nine months pregnant, all she had was one of these chairs to sit on and in her bed. And so at that time, we, we, we were starting to go to a church because churches started opening up in Calgary. And we said, you know, we gotta get involved. We gotta get plugged in. We gotta help out where we can. And um, we had these pastors that were kind of secretly woke, if you will. And even though we are tithing and giving, we've always been avid, avid tithers and, and givers. Our finances just were going down that entire year where we were facing all these uh, struggles. And so Jonathan did a live stream on Instagram, and he said, if you notice things have started going wrong in your life, look at what changed. What ministries are you connected to? Did your church change? Did you stop going to church? And immediately in my spirit, I knew because of things that didn't line up, we have a kindred spirit with this ministry. And so he had that stream on, and I felt it in my spirit, and... All, all we had left in our account was like $40 till the next time we got paid, you know, constantly in our overdraft, not sure how we're going to pay rent and the other items that come up. And with the baby at this point, being that it was November, and uh, she left to go run an errand, and after that live, I shut it down, and I sewed that 40 seat, a $40 seat, I mean, all, all we had, right, which is why he speaks about where, where your level is at. And that fervent prayer pause it and that fervent faith came over which we know according to the so think of that when i say you know you can't gloss over this you got 40 dollars left your wife's pregnant with a baby on the way and you sow it all that's sacrifice continue i sowed that 40 seed and 40 dollar seed i mean all, all we had right which is why he speaks about where where your level is at and that fervent prayer and that fervent faith came over which we know according to the word availeth much and I just said Lord I need you to turn this entire situation around and he did hallelujah pause it again things began notice too that after sowing the seed he, he engaged his faith because there's something about when you give of the Spirit, it, it activates your heart. Lord, I need you. I did that. No, you don't block that guy. It's fine. You, mis you, you misunderstood what he was writing. Um, he's saying he pushed through his fear. So, what was I going to say? I did the same thing when I gave that hundred grand at, at Dr. Rodney's. 
I gave it. Lord, I'm believing you for favor. See, when you just sow something, there's no engaging of your spirit. When you sow sacrificially, it activates your spirit. You'll notice you start talking to the Lord. Go ahead. And to change immediately, we started participating in RTC online. All of our giving and our tithe goes to this ministry. And the first thing that happened a couple of weeks later, my work, which I had maybe started three, four months before, said, you know what? We're going to change your salary. And I, I work commission, so, you know, there's extra opportunities to earn there. But my salary was 50000 They said, you know what? We're going to up that to 80000 starting in the new year. And we're going to back pay you from since you started. Never done in the history of that company because our God is good. He's alive. He's an amazing father. And he always takes care of his children. Then that business we started began to double and actually began to out-earn what I earn as a living from a nine to five. And God has continued to increase us. I tell you the same time because who you're partnered with impacts your daily life, right? When Peter went out to get the fish, what happened? His partners came and their boats overfilled as well. So for us, when they ran out of room in their church, we ran out of room in our house with furniture, with clothing, with toys. We've lacked nothing. And I'll be honest with you, money has been like air. The Lord told me if you never comment on the gas prices, you never comment on food. You just get what you want because the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. I shall not lack. And if he did it for me, he'll do it for you. So there's going to be people that give. People give every day on these broadcasts, but somebody is going to give like he gave, and it'll change the rest of your life. Somebody was asking for the phone number. Put the, put the full screen up on how to give, and then we'll, we'll go to prayer in a couple of minutes. Phone number is 412-446-2332. If you've never done it in your life, ask the Holy Spirit what he'd have you to give. Hey, Yasmin. Nice to have you from Saudi Arabia. I'm on every day at this time. We'd love to have you join us. If you've not subscribed to our YouTube channel, do that. Timothy said this ministry is fertile soil. There are ministries that carry an increased anointing. And we are one because we have the testimonies. Give you a moment to give. How many of you were helped by today? I tried to make this as practical and not mystical as possible. Even the thing you have where people say, um, you know, Brother Jonathan, I've given and I'm just not seeing any financial increase. I don't understand why you're not because even if you took anything supernatural out of the equation, you should be seeing increase just on managing your, your business and your job and your money better. I, I pray the Lord uses me from now till the end of my life or till the rapture to take the monetary stupidity out of the, the Christian. Money's not a miracle. There's economic and financial laws that are very easy to understand and apply.
Thanks for joining. Thanks for registering for fasting and prayer. It's been great. Week two is going to be heaven on earth. We have, hey, Hope, great job with your testimony. I'm so happy for you and your husband. Uh, noon prayer, then we got Dr. Rodney Howard Brown tonight. My uncle Ted Shuttlesworth Sr., Wednesday night at 7. Dr. Jesse Duplantis, Friday night at 7. And remember, Friday's all night prayer. If you don't come this week, please go on Google Maps and look how close you are to Pittsburgh. Most of you will be between six and eight hours away. 75% of the population in the United States lives within an eight-hour circle of Revival Today Church. So you're closer than you think. I would get here. See you at prayer. Hey, this is Jonathan Shuttlesworth. I want to thank you for listening to my podcast, or if you're listening to my wife's. Thank you on her behalf. If you want to be more than just a casual listener and stand with us as we take the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ to our generation, go to RevivalToday.com and click Give Now and be a part of the 1,000 monthly partners that we're believing for. I have a special gift that I'll send to you today, and I'll say thank you in advance. Until next time, thanks for listening. See you later.